Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. You know, I don't even know what the episode number is anymore because it's so long since we did this, Catherine Whitaker. But you and myself, David Law, we've been doing it for the best part of two and a half years, this Tennis Podcast. And we're here, well, I am, in New York City, ready for day three of the US Open because we didn't quite manage to get this done before the tournament started. But better late than never. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. I think I have to take responsibility for letting the fans down on the uh, preview podcast front. So many apologies for anybody that was eagerly awaiting that. But we'll make sure this one is uh, is up to standard to make up for it. No, this one has to be better oh, to, yeah, to make well, up for it. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, you can't beat perfection, David, you know. Oh, <laughs> Well, we're making a lot of assumptions here. For a start, I'm, I'm wondering where this, this term fans comes from. Because uh, there might be some people that uh, think, you know what, I've got a pretty boring half an hour coming up. I'll fill it with listening to this podcast of two people talking about tennis who've never played the game. Yeah. But, you know. What you're describing there is various members of my family, David. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, hello everybody. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the most important thing is we're back on the airwaves together. And uh, Catherine has had uh, numerous uh, victories over her brother over the summer. Uh, I have um, considered taking wild cards into tournaments because my tennis has been so good. Um, and back in the real world, um, I haven't played tennis for a couple of years, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, I, I still watched plenty, and that's the most most important thing and yep. the uh, the US Open is two days in Catherine any early impressions early impressions are that it's the most open open for many a year do you agree yeah I'd say that's pretty true uh, on on a number of levels because think about it on the men's side Novak Djokovic is the favourite still, just about, ahead of Roger Federer. But that is not based on form, because Federer is quite clearly the form player of the two. Um, but it's it's very difficult to work it out. And I, I tend to think, generally speaking, that Djokovic is still the man to beat, and that the, uh, the, the issues he had over the summer were blips. And I think the biggest threat to him is always going to be Nadal, 
Um, I do think if he played Federer, Federer would have a, a real chance. Uh, he pushed him that close at Wimbledon. But, you know, there's no guarantee that either of them are going to reach the final because they have got difficult players in their way and there, there are question marks over the form of Djokovic and probably the staying power, the stamina of Federer. Yeah, it doesn't feel like one of those Grand Slams where you can look at the draw and instantly sort of look ahead to the quarters and semi-finals and anticipate them because, well, frankly, I would be extremely surprised if uh, if all of the uh, players ceded to reach that stage or, or even a majority of them did so. If I was... I don't know, certainly a Grigor Dimitrov or a, a Milos Raonic, I would be finding it hard not to put pressure on myself and think this is the opening I've been waiting for because they're not going to come along very often. Um, and you no, no, Certainly not while these players are still active and at the top of their games, no. like Djokovic, Federer. I mean, it is, it is a, an unusual one because if you think of the big four and, uh, and a... a, a, a Perhaps unfairly, I still include Andy Murray in that ahead of Stanislas Wawrinka. Um, but if you think of those players, Djokovic has won Wimbledon, then has got married, and does appear to have struggled somewhat for motivation and focus over the summertime. And I, I, I can understand that. He's the sort of player that I would have expected that to happen to least in many ways because he's always been so consistent. But he's a human being, and, and these are life-changing developments that he is going through and and I, I mean if you think of what happened to Murray after he won Wimbledon how difficult he found it to to feel like he did before Wimbledon it's it's probably not that surprising Nadal's not here Murray's still trying to find his way back and and although he's shown glimpses of of his form and fitness again he's not He's not been the same, has he, in terms of what, what he's been like in winning positions. And, and Federer, you never really know what he's going to be like at a slam these days because he is 33. No, there's nobody you'd feel um, you'd feel confident about having your, your house on, is there? And um, I, I actually am uh, perhaps more surprised than you at the amount, uh, at the extent to which Djokovic has... Uh, lost focus since um, since you know the developments in his personal life. I mean, if there's a if there's a phrase that you know he's 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 robotically focused. He he is. You say yes, he's only human, but actually, I think one of his defining features over the past few years is his superhuman ability to focus no matter what the uh, the circumstances. He's been the most consistent player. And consistency is intimately linked with sort of the level of focus you have. I mean, Andy Murray is a prime example of, you know, he's notoriously inconsistent and his concentration wanders and all of that. So I'm actually a little bit surprised at Novak Djokovic. I still don't think that it, it, I still think it's a different ball game, pardon the pun, when it comes to this this Grand Slam. And certainly all the, I was at a, an ATP Champions Tour event in Belgium a couple of weeks ago and though all, all the players there, McEnroe, Ivanisevic, um, Rzezki, all of them agreed it was, relatively speaking, a very open Grand Slam, they still all picked Djokovic for the title, despite his, for him, pretty uh, horrible run of form this summer. They still well, well, say... They, they all know, they all know that when you get to a Grand Slam tournament, things are different. Players are 
more dialed in and and i also think the fact that there are two weeks there's a day in between matches they're best of five so you have time to to play your way in they tend to sort out the best players that's why i am always uh, concerned about the idea of going best of three in particularly on the men's side and and and, and as i've said before and best of three in the women's final is i think you you always have that risk of it being an anticlimax and somebody mm. just not finding themselves in time and, and all of that kind of thing. But without wishing to compare myself in any way to Novak Djokovic, <laughs> um, I, I, I've been through uh, impending fatherhood myself. And my goodness, it is a life-changing experience. And, and I've wondered on a number of times, how on earth am I holding a job down while this is all going on? You know, it's almost as though this, uh, this should, not be ha- should not be the case. Um, because, you know, you, you do think differently, you feel differently. And then when, when it eventually happens, I mean, I'm not exactly sure when, when they are due to, to become parents. But, I mean, you know, you suddenly have a completely different focus in life. Now, Novak Djokovic will if he's anything like Roger Federer, have a, an army of people to help him look after uh, the baby when it arrives, which is which is fantastic and, and good for him. But emotionally and uh, and in terms of expectations, you, you you can't look at every other aspect of your life in the same way. I, I I'm not th- that surprised when people, especially at that level, when when such fine margins determine results. I'm not that surprised that that uh, that he he's fallen away a little bit. Um, good that it's a U.S. Open and a Grand Slam to get him back into it. That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, it didn't seem to affect. I mean, Federer has had had four. I mean, granted, he's he's managed to do it and only two. Yeah, but that's two. Federer. I mean, you know, come on, <laughs> Roger Federer can uh, can do anything, can't he? Let's be honest. Yeah, but in terms of focus, I would put I would put. Djokovic in that same category hey I'm not criticizing I'm very I'm as understanding as someone can be without having been through that myself I'm just ever so slightly surprised let's just say but hey he's he's undoubtedly still the favorite for this tournament I don't I don't think you can doubt that that doesn't necessarily mean I'm predicting him to win because you know Oh, who are you predicting to win, Catherine oh, Whitaker? Let's get that out of the way quickly, shall we? Um, I, uh, once again, on record that I'm being made to go first here. Uh, who am I predicting to win? Well, in fact, um, who, who are you, who are your who are your semi finalists going to be? Have you got the draws there? Oh the well, the problem with that is it means I have to predict a winner of the oh, yeah. Federer Dimitrov quarter final, which I'm oh. just already dreaming about. Uh, and uh, I don't want to have to do that because uh, it's, it's a tough one, given that Dimitrov hasn't even played yet. And yes, you know the the truth is his summer has been rather less than impressive mm. as well so far. Indeed, um, that that's a big question mark for me. And he is he going to you know if he's going to be considered in the category of obviously he's not in the category of of Djokovic and Federer and all of that lot. But if he is to be, he needs to start being the sort of player that. Uh, as we're predicting Djokovic to do, steps it up at the Grand Slams. Now, pr- previously, are. he's been sort of the opposite of that. His his uh, uh, Prior to this year, his Grand Slam results had been his poorest results. So is he now going to start being the sort of player that can put a run of bad form on the Masters and 500 tournaments behind him and turn it on for the Grand Slams? So I think that's going to be very interesting. I, 
I think his run to get to that quarterfinal is is pretty okay, draw-wise. I haven't got it in front of me, but I can do. I remember I looking at it, it and is. thinking... It's, uh, he's he's going to... Uh, Dimitrov is starting against Ryan Harrison, mm-hmm. Carlos Berlock or Dudy Seller in the next round. His seeded opponent is... Joao Sousa, which is a good draw, really, mm. to be quite honest with you. Uh, for a third round, it could be Monfils or Gasquet or Fanini or Bautista or Gut in the fourth round. Again, I'd still expect Gasquet to come through. I, I'd, oh no, hold on a second. It, it would be Monfils or Gasquet. And then the bottom uh, fourth round section there is uh, Federer's. So Federer would have Karlovic. Um, in the third round, Bautista Aguto, Fanini in the fourth round. I, I think that they are going to meet. I think they're all, going to meet as well. I think um, so. And I, I'd, I'd go for Federer, to be quite honest yeah. with you. I just think he's playing really well. I think on, you know it's a match that would probably be, end up being under the lights. Federer's had that experience so many times. It could very easily be the case that Dimitrov gets to that position without ever having played under the lights on Arthur Ashe yeah, Stadium that's before. True. It's it's too it's too much. I think he I think he would probably play well and the crowd would love him. Um but you know, I don't think he's ready for that yet, to be quite honest. Uh, I think he needs to go round the block once. Now that he's played a Wimbledon semi-final once and he, he was not far off against Djokovic, even though he didn't mm. play that well, he'll do. He'll get to a, a night match against Federer here. He'll have that experience. He'll be better for it. That would be my feeling. But I think Federer would come through and it would end up being... I, you know, I have no idea who's coming through the other half, <laughs> other section of that draw to, to meet Federer. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if it was a guy like Marin Cilic, to be honest. I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, right now, I'm I'm certainly not. Uh, yeah, I, 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 that's not a bad shout, actually. Although um, I have to say, <laughs> Goran Ivanovic, Marin Cilic's coach, Marin Cilic's coat was a little bit despairing of him um, out in Belgium. Um, oh, was he? Just a little bit. I mean, still very much, you know spoke as highly of him as possible and when I asked who's your sort of non-top 10 pick to uh, to run deep into the tournament obviously he picked Marin Cilic um, but it just a little bit uh, uh, he was sat there watching Cilic against Vavrinka uh, and Cilic won that first set uh, 6-2, 6-3 won the first set convincingly anyway and then lost the subsequent sets love and won uh, and said in a post-match interview he thought he had played well. Um, and uh, Goran was doing a little bit of banging his head against the wall about that. You know, he's, he's. I think he's very sympathetic and they get on brilliantly, but I don't think he takes any nonsense. Um, and uh, he just could I don't, he just couldn't understand him. He couldn't understand that result. He couldn't understand the performance and he couldn't understand the mentality of thinking that there were positives to take from that. Um, so it was very interesting sort of getting an insight into their coaching relationship, which I think, generally speaking, is a successful one. Um, Chilich has got uh, Bagdatis, hasn't he? Is that right? Chilich yeah, Bagdatis. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, he, he, should, uh, he should come through. I mean, I think yeah. Ferrer is the seeded player to come through that section of the draw, but Ferrer's got 
Tomic in the uh, mm. in the second round, which is not easy actually. I mean, it, depending on which Tomic turns up, um, Gilles Simon is is a potential opponent for Ferrer. He's not got the easiest draw in the world, and then it would be Chilic in the fourth round. So, I think I think Chilic could take him out on this sort of surface. I don't think Ferrer is that comfortable here. Um, I agree, I agree. But you've also got, um, isn't Ernest Gulbis lurking around that part of the draw somewhere? Gulbis is in the in the other section, the other fourth round section. So, so he would, he would face... be a potential quarterfinal opponent. And I mean, and in that section, the favoured player to come through is Thomas Burditch. Yeah. However, Burditch has been in, in awful Horrible form. form. And he's got Hewitt later today. Yeah. Who's winning that? Oh... Uh, I predict a really gutsy Hewitt performance and a brilliant match, but Burditch, what do you think? I'm going Hewitt. Are you? Yeah. Oh, good do, man. He's going to do to Burditch what he did to Del Potro last year. Oh, well, do you know what? I know I, I'm a big Thomas Burditch fan. I do like him a lot, but I'd love that. You know, Hewitt's not going to be around that much longer and I've so so much respect for him still being out there and him I'd be surprised if he was here next year yeah with you. I, I think he will mm-hmm. play one more Australian Open and call it a day that's that's I don't have any inside information on that that's just just a feeling I have I think he uh, he wants to have one more Australian mm-hmm. Open to say goodbye properly and, and absolutely that would be the right thing to do he would deserve that but a champion here in 2001, mm. I mean, what a memory that is to, to have. I mean, he, he managed to make hay in between the Sampras and Federer eras and won himself two Grand Slam titles. And what a competitor he has been. And I mean, he hasn't always rubbed everybody up the right way, but no. he hasn't cared. And, and I, 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 I love watching the guy. But there's 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 never been an opportunity missed in his career, has he? I mean, as you say, he... He just ma- that that window was short. It was it was it was that opening between Sampras and Federer, and he ran in there and he he grabbed it and he snatched himself two Grand Slams, made world number one, and then ever since then he's he's hung in as a uh, on the basis of his his attitude really because um, his sort of skill levels and in terms of the way the game has moved on over the past 10 to 15 years he hasn't been able to compete really um and uh just just that the mentality of having been at the top and what it must be like you know Juan Carlos Ferrero never really he was another one that that took advantage of that that window and won himself a French Open and, and got to the um final of the US Open and got to world number one he never really recovered from sort of having been that top player and then having to readjust to the new age and uh and not being at the top and that sort of being his natural natural position if you like it's a very very bizarre adjustment for a tennis player to have to make but i'm just full of admiration for uh for what hewitt has been doing for the past 10 years really you know there is only so much you can do if you are physically built differently to everybody yeah. else and uh, and he's obviously had some horrible injuries as well and uh, my BBC radio colleague Philip Studd says that he he can't get through airport security anymore because <laughs> his foot keeps buzzing Crikey. every time he goes through the uh, through the metal detector wow <laughs> crikey 
That's well, a great that's not, fact. How does he know that? Joke. What insider it's not, it's knowledge? It's true, Catherine. It's a joke. Oh. <laughs> but it's a good joke. Oh, don't you're not allowed to expose my uh, my gullibility on uh, oh, on the podcast like this. That's not fair. <laughs> Maybe it does. Maybe his <laughs> foot does buzz when he goes through the airport security. <laughs> oh dear. Oh, I love the podcast. Um, right, the women's draw has uh, seen a similar situation to um, uh, Novak Djokovic's fall away over the summer in the shape of Eugenie Bouchard because she was so consistent and I almost feel as though in, a, in some way she is the, the Novak Djokovic of women's tennis because she's always seemed hyper-focused and, and uh, strong-willed and not letting anything bother her and yet when she came out in Montreal in front of her home fans, a real homecoming, probably one of the most passionate home crowds I've ever witnessed, or at least in the last 10 years or so, there was not a seat spare. Everybody mm. was, was expecting her to come out and show the player that she's been, and she just withered in the, in the spotlight. She couldn't handle it. And after a few games she asked for her her coach Nick Saviano to come out to the court and she just said to him I want to get off the court you know I, I she she couldn't play she was inhibited she she was so frozen by the the, the occasion and funny enough in some ways I think it, it appealed to people because it showed her vulnerability and something that we'd never seen before but I think it it really also showed an area of weakness that other players will feel that they can exploit, i.e. she's not a robot, she, she is uh, possible to get under the skin of. And, um, and it's going to be quite a, quite a job for her to, to regather herself now, I think, because there is expectation on her. Absolutely. I think from a public perspective, um, it will have helped her in terms of... Um, as you say, just showing a chink in the armour and uh, uh, something people can relate to, I suppose, as a human being. But from an on-the-court perspective, um, you know, so much of her strength and focus and aura comes from that um, total lack of vulnerability. You know, on the court, in the locker room, in even in the press room, she shows absolutely no glimpse of any vulnerability at all it's no I've not got any friends on the tour no I've not got any you know there's there's nothing I won't sacrifice in order to to win a tennis match it's that sort of attitude you know and it's uh absolutely it it, it, it from a human perspective it's hard not to have sympathy with her for because none of us know really what it's like to be in that position but it's a sh it's so wonderful when you do see somebody in that position and they rise to it, that it's a shame to see someone recoil and and shrink to the occasion rather than than rise to it. As much as I, it's understandable and uh, certainly easy to sympathise with. I, I do think it's it's a shame for her that that was the case, and maybe it was just unexpected and something she just needs to get used to and and. Next time uh, the event comes to Montreal, it'll be a different story. I think that's very possible. But certainly just, I, I think so much of, of tennis and um, certainly women's tennis is about locker room aura, isn't it? And uh, 
she, I think she's very conscious of the power of that. So she won't be pleased to have, have given away any any chink uh, in the armour to her uh, to her opponent. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I asked uh, our listeners to to give us their view on whether this was just a blip for Bouchard or whether it was a problem, whether it was going to be a problem for her few interesting responses. Mike Bollinger says uh, that because she's no longer under the radar, people have figured out how to play her, which is going to be a problem for her uh, in the future. Uh, Mark says self-belief can only get you so far, but she needs to figure out a way to beat the big hitters. Her results outside slams haven't been great all year, and players with natural power can take her game apart at the moment. I, I, I think that's a little unfair. I mean, yes, Kvitova did that, but Kvitova was playing some of the best tennis centre court has ever seen that day. And uh, and Bouchard can stand up to these players on the whole, uh, I, th- I feel. I don't think there's a fundamental issue with her game. This is an interesting one for me. Tommy Smith says... Like a boxer that gets a brutal KO, she got mauled in the Wimbledon final. It stopped her in her tracks, and she needs to recover. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. It, it, it was such a beating that it, it may well leave mental scars, that. I completely agree. It was the nature of the defeat, wasn't it? Just the total dismantling of of all of her hopes uh, aspirations i mean everything she went into into that day uh thinking about and planning for was just it just evaporated within minutes didn't it um and it was over so quickly um and yeah i think it will be i think she'll look back and realize that that was an utterly bruising experience and i i think it would take well, I mean, there's there's few people as fo- as focused as her on the women's tour, so I, I think there's I can't really think of anybody who would um, who would be able to 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 immediately brush that off and put it behind them. So I think it's entirely understandable that there's some um, there's some aftermath to that to that final. They could they they could meet in, meet in the quarterfinals again. Could Kvitova and uh, Bouchard here? Uh, Kvitova, I think, is going to get through to play a semi-final against Serena Williams. I think that there's a chance Samantha Stosa could could cause Williams problems. They they had t- two tie-break match uh, in the summertime. I think Kvitova against Madison Keys in the third round would be an interesting one. Mm. But I, I think ultimately, I think Kvitova will come through. Uh, Eugenie Bouchard, the form she's now found again. She won in Winston-Salem last week. Normally, I don't think players are well advised to to play the very week before an event, uh, a Grand Slam, if they have designs on winning it because of the physical elements. But she had had a patchy time before that. And I think it will have acclimatised her to the conditions here. She's never liked playing in the States, particularly as Petra Kvitova. Um, But, I I mean, that would be some match if both her and Serena Williams played well at the same time in the semi-finals it certainly would it certainly would that would be uh the the pick of the semis I agree with you that I think Stoza could cause Serena a bit of trouble Serena certainly doesn't have happy memories of playing Sam Stoza at Flushing Meadow does she um but I obviously uh, you can't not pick Serena to come through that. I just think there's there, there's a bit of an outside chance for Stoza there if she's able to 
to rise to the occasion but she's such a, I mean she's um in many ways the the polar opposite of Bouchard isn't she? she's so vulnerable um and she's so you see her frailty on the court she you know her it's not a lack of focus she's completely professional and focused and it's not a lack of concentration it's just a a real vulnerability about her somehow which is exactly what Bouchard doesn't have um or certainly hasn't seemed to have had you know until this summer yeah no that's absolutely right in terms of the way the the draw has um pitched up in the bottom half a uh, good opportunity in the sort of upper section of the top half of the draw with angelique kerber sloan stevens and uh agnieszka radvanska but none of the really big hitters who are foregone conclusions to come through there so a real opportunity for some of those players to express themselves and come through in the in the lower section of the the bottom half of the draw maria sharapova would be the favorite to come through and play a quarterfinal against simona halep but sharapova could have to get past Lizicki in round three um she could have to play wozniaki in round four who is playing well at the moment and and and, and Halep was troubled round one as well yeah. so um that's she, by no she means could have a... to face um she could have to face Venus Williams yeah uh, could 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 Halep um in in round four so lots of lots of matches there I I I still think that ultimately Halep is likely to come through um that half of the draw I, I you know she's just so solid and um such a good player. I don't mean I don't know how she finds the conditions out here generally, but I think you'd have to make her the favourite to play against Sharapova in the quarterfinals. Whether the know-how of Sharapova might win that one, you know, having won the title here before, mm. you know, we'll wait and see. But come on, let's have some predictions now, Catherine. You've heard all the draw. We've gone through all the all the uh, the reasoning. Let's just have some completely <laughs> unreasoned predictions now. Uh, we want we want the final four of both. Men's and singles. You want me to go first? I do, I do want you to go first. Right, here we go. Then. Yes. Fine. Gauntlet thrown down. Gauntlet accepted. I'm going to go for Novak Djokovic to squeeze his way through Andy Murray in the quarterfinals. Even mm. though on Twitter the other week I said that Andy Murray would win the title. That was before I saw Andy Murray's drawing. <coughs> so, and, you know, and, and Andy Murray actually playing. <laughs> Which no, was and Andy Murray less just than beaten, convincing. No, Andy Murray had just beaten John Isner and had been back to the sort of form that I thought could could get him all the way. But look at the bloke's draw, Catherine Whitaker. Could play Fernando Vidasco in the third round, Joe Wilfred Songer in the fourth round, Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinals just to get to the last four. Come on, he can't do all that. No, no I agree. He can't do all that. No, even, certainly even not if I he's certainly think, not if uh, he's cramping. I think I do think he will play well at some points this week I think he will be encouraged by the way he got through against Robin Hasser even though it was a pretty ugly sight at times I think he will rise to the occasion Vadasco is a genuine threat to him in the third round unless Murray comes out and plays strong arm tennis he has to do that in my opinion but I think Novak Djokovic will come through eventually um, I just think he's in a better place generally at the moment I think Murray will get back to where he needs to be in the future um, the other section of the draw I think I think that Raonic is going to come through that mm. um, and uh, I, I think he will just have a bit more than 
Vavrinka. Um, although Vavrinka, I think, has got a, quite a good draw there, actually, if I, if I look at it. Kyrgios knocked out Eugenie, so, you know, he's he's capable of uh, coming through one or two more, unquestionably. But I'd go with Ranić to, to end up playing Novak Djokovic, with Djokovic coming through to the final. Uh, other section of the draw, I'd go This is the, the tricky one, isn't it? Of, I'd, I'll go for Cilic. Okay. Um, as a you know, because it's very difficult to to confidently predict anybody. I mean, yeah. certainly Ferrer is favoured, but I'll go for Chilic. And then in the other section, it's Federer who's going to come past Dimitrov. Um, so, looking at Chilic and Federer, well, Federer will get through. So Federer against Djokovic in the final, and and I'll go for Djokovic. I think he will just outlast Federer the same way as he did at Wimbledon. Um, I think it's perfectly possible that Federer could win it. Um, but and he's playing the best tennis at the moment. But I think when you get down to the nitty gritty against Djokovic, best of five, I just don't know whether he's got enough in the tank to keep to keep him off. You know. Okay, shall I go with my men's? Go on. Okie doke. Uh, yeah, I'm going Djokovic. I agree. Um, I think he'll come through. I think he'll come. Will Murray make it to the quarters? This is the thing. Will Murray make it to the quarters? I did. I thought so before uh, before Monday. Um, I don't like the look of him cramping. That uh, Monday doesn't come into it for me. No. I think he'll he'll sort that out. I mean, the big concern for me was I thought he was injured at one stage, mm. and, then, and then when you realised it was cramp, you realised that he could recover. Um, and 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 so I think he'll be fine physically for the next match. I mean, he doesn't play it till tomorrow. Well, I think if he's going to lose before that quarter, it'll be to Songa, who's undoubtedly been in good form over the summer, and one of the few that has been. But I, I probably agree. Anyway, we're not doing quarters, are we? I, we? I've scraped. I can scrape through that without uh, without making a prediction. I predict Djokovic from that top quarter. Second one, yeah. I, I want to disagree with you, but I think I agree that it'll be Raonic. Um, yeah, I mean, his... Why do you want to disagree with me? Just to make it interesting for the listeners, David. That's not interesting, just... that's just contrary. And, Is and it? And it's just so annoying. Right, well then I agree with you. I think it will be Raonic. I think he <laughs> will have too much of a rinker. Uh, now, this one's the tricky one. I think I am going to disagree with you here on the Chilich front. I think it very well could be Chilich. Frankly, it could quite easily be almost anyone in that in that quarter. It's that's the quarter you want to be in. I'm. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. 
but if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Might go really left field, uh, just, you know, to spice things up a bit. Maybe I will go for... Bernard Tomic? What? I don't know. I'm just looking at him thinking... He has to start playing well, doesn't he? I mean, he's... Catherine, uh, hold on a minute. You're predicting Bernard Tomic to get through to the US Open semi-finals? Um... I think think there'll be a real surprise from that quarter. I do. Um, Hold on, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Don't back down... You're predicting Bernard Tomic to reach the US Open semi-finals. Yeah, why not? Yes, yeah, go on then. I am. I don't know why I am, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll, I think he'll beat Ferrer next round, and from there, I think it's quite open for him. Yeah, I do. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm predicting Federer from the bottom and I predict a Federer Djokovic final and I predict Federer to win I can't tell whether the connection has dropped out or whether you're in stunned silence David tennis podcast listeners have you heard what I've just heard (laughs) I mean what is she talking about well well, she's good enough to you look at that quarter He's probably the most, in terms of ability, he can do it. And he has to, he has to get over, you know, all the, he has to turn it on at some stage, doesn't he? And that is a, that is a very good draw for him, I think. So I think, I think if he can make it past Ferrer in the next round, which I think he has a good chance of doing, then, uh, then yeah, he loves the big stage. Yes. Don't talk me out of this, David. I've made my bed and I'm lying in it. Tennis podcast listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, buddy. But, uh, I mean, uh, it's not very often we've done a tennis podcast where I've come away surprised. (laughs) I am not just surprised. I am absolutely gobsmacked by this news that Catherine Whittaker has predicted that Bernard Tomic is going to be the US Open semi-finalist. Now, if this happens, I will be bowing down at the feet of Catherine Whittaker. Um, yeah, as, I'll, as, let's put it this way, I'll be surprised as well. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on, let's not have this now. You know, if you're going to go for the prediction, let's go for it whole Yeah, all right. Well, yeah. I love it. I'm, I think it's a great prediction. I'm all over it, yeah. Bernard Tomic. Wow. Fantastic. Okay, tennis podcast listeners, let us know what you think. <laughs> Please Do don't you let think... us know what you think. I know already. 
at Tennis Podcast. <laughs> no. Let us know no. what, oh, what has Catherine Whitaker been <laughs> thinking in the <laughs> or drinking months. Yeah. Or drinking. <laughs> you know, I, do, I didn't want to say that, but you, know, <laughs> you volunteered it. So in the, in the final, Djokovic to beat Federer for you two. No, no, no. Federer to beat Djokovic in the final. Hold on a minute. You said Djokovic. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I did not. No. Okay, fine. Uh, And so, have have you done the women's draw yet? No, am I going first for the women's draw? Uh, No, I'm first. All right. Um, (laughs) 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 Well, it's got to be Serena Williams who's going to come through. I say got to be. I think she will come through Stosa, but, um, you know, no foregone conclusion there, but I think she will. And I think she will end up playing uh, Ivanovic in the quarter. She'll beat her and she'll play Kvitova in the semi-finals. Oh my word, that's that's a tough one to pick. I'll go Serena, but it's you know I'm going on it because I'm not brave enough to go for Kvitova. I have a I have a feeling Kvitova will win, <laughs> but I'm not brave enough to say it. Okay. So I've kind of hedged my bets so that I can kind of fall back on that one. Right. Yeah. Um, see see what you've done there. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good that. Uh, in the other section of the draw, I think Sloane Stevens is going to come Ooh-hoo. through to, to the quarterfinals. And she's going to face Agnieszka Radvanska. I'm going for Sloane Stevens to be in the US Open semi-finals, everybody. And wow. she is going to face... She's had a difficult old year, hasn't she? That I'd say that's quite a bold prediction. Yeah, I know. What am I thinking? Uh, I've inspired you, be, David. That's what's happened yeah, here. that's it. Sharapova will come through. Uh, man, man, imagine if Caroline Wozniacki won the title. Would I get credit for if she reached the final? Because a year and a half ago you predicted she would get yeah. to another... Pfft. Would I get some credit? Um, I'm going to say my, a minute quantity of credit might come your way. But oh, Awesome. <laughs> well, anyway, she, she won't do it. <laughs> so no. it's a bit irrelevant. Um, but Maria Sharapova will come through to face uh, Simona Halep in that section. Oh, who's going to come through that? Um, I'll go for Halep. I'll go for Halep to reach the final, uh, beating Sloane Stevens, and then Serena will win the final. There you go. Okay. Well, I'm going to go. See, it's that Halep Venus match that I'm looking at and thinking. I think Venus could win that. That's. Do I actually want to predict that that will happen though? Because there's a very big difference between that could happen. And I think that's likely to happen. This is where I often fall down. Come on, if Bernard Tomic can reach the semi-finals. Yeah, the floodgates are open for for bonkers predictions now. Uh, I certainly think they will meet in the fourth round. And yeah, go on then. I'll take I'll take Venus to get to the quarters. Um, where she will lose to Sharapova. Uh, and it's Serena, isn't it? It's uh, it's Serena in the top half. And do I think Bouchard will get there? I think probably not, actually. Um be interesting to see Madison Keys get somewhere, but I think semi-finals is a bridge too far for her i think she could you know fourth round possibly even quarters but um i don't see um i don't see her getting to the semi so i will take won't take azarenka i'll go and then i'll take bouchard 
I'll take so, Serena. No, come on. What am I talking about? I'll take Kvitova. It's Serena and Kvitova. Sure. And I'm not going to go for Sloane Stevens. Um, I don't... Yeah, I see I see your thinking, but I disagree. Uh, yeah, I'll take Radvanska then. Be nice to see Lucy Safarova back up Wimbledon. But I'm going to play it safe and go Radvanska. So my bold predictions are... Oh, so now I have to say whether I think Venus will beat Sharapova. And I don't think she will. I think she'll get to the quarters and there she will lose to Sharapova. So I think it'll be Sharapova, Radvanska, Serena and Kvitova. And I think it'll be Sharapova and... Sharapova and Kvitova in the final. And I think... Oh, blimey. Come on, get on with it. Uh, I'll pick Sharapova then. There you go. Okay. Sharapova is the champion, says Catherine Whittaker. Bernard Tomic is the champion. (laughs) (laughs) No, No. semi-finalist from Catherine Whittaker in the other half straw. Now, before we go, Catherine, I've asked our listeners to tell us what their their greatest outside court experience has ever been in terms of matches on the outside courts because you do see some absolute crackers, don't you? Oh, you um, do. And we, we've seen that uh, uh, at uh, the US Open. They've got the Louis Armstrong court, the grandstand court, and they've got the new court 17, which is a wonderful one too, where we saw Nick Kyrgios the other day uh, overcoming Mikhail Yuzhny in, in, in four sets I think it was in the end um, so that was great fun um, just to let you know a few from our listeners here Peter Collison says uh, uh, Bautista Agut's upset win over Del Potro at the Australian Open this year mm-hmm. yeah that was a good one uh, All Too Contrary is a Twitter name I really enjoy uh, which <laughs> is uh, third row of the grandstand at the US Open for Carlos Moya against Philip Kohlschreiber in 2007. Five sets, four hours, classic. Jerry Balsam says US Open Court 11. Laver, Roach, Newcomb and Woodford gathering as a a young Leighton Hewitt plays Wayne Arthurs. And Paul McNamee, the former tournament director of the Australian Open and uh, a keen tennis podcast listener, it would seem, uh, says that he remembers... uh, Becker against Camparese hmm. on the old court one at the Australian Open. And I can see where he's coming from there. There, I remember that one very well. Uh, a couple of others that, that I recall particularly were Kyrgios at the Australian Open this year against uh, Benoit Paire. That was a fantastic atmosphere. Um, and uh, obviously John Isner against Nicola Mahu court 18 at Wimbledon 70-68 how are you ever going to beat that one and here at the US Open the one that really springs to mind for me was David Ferrer against Fernando Vadasca a few years mm. ago five sets physical battle one of the best match points I've seen and if you go, go on YouTube and look up match point Ferrer and Vadasca US Open it was just awesome um, so yeah I, I think those were great atmospheres what about you uh, well, does uh, do, do, does anything beyond the centre court count as an outside court? 
Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, so, well, I'm probably going to go for um, 2004 US Open. I was there with my dad as a fan, uh, and Louis Armstrong uh, caught, and it was Tim Henman against Ivo Karlovich. I think it was a second round, uh, and Henman won 6-4 in the fifth, but it was hairy, and I was cheering my little heart out for Tim. And uh, there was a group of, I think they must have been students or something. There was about eight British fans sort of sitting about three rows in front of us, decked out in full-on Union Jacks and lots of common Tims. But they uh, they kept on, they had, they kept on uh, sort of whispering, sort of almost a loud whisper, Evo, Evo, just to sort of put him off. And they were, he was really interacting with them both Henman and Karlovich were really interacting with these uh with these fans in front of us and uh I could sort of hear the ringing of that chant in my ears uh when I went to sleep that night uh and it was stinking hot I remember my dad making me a uh a hat out of some newspaper to uh, to shield my face, which oh, was... I do hope there's a photo. I think there, I think there might be somewhere. Uh, I'll see if I can dig it out. Uh, he, he was very That's well fashioned. It was very well fashioned little hat because uh, my nose was going a deep shade of purple, uh, and it was great. It was just, um, I mean, obviously, you know, Karlovich matches don't often make for you know the most watchable tennis. But the matchup of styles was good, and the atmosphere. You know, watching a Brit in New York, and and Henman went on to reach the uh, the semi-finals that year, didn't he? So um, could all have could all have gone wrong in the second round against Karlovich. So that that that's the one that stands out in my memory. And on that note, <laughs> I think we shall bring the tennis podcast for another week to an end. You know, Catherine, we've been talking for forty-eight minutes and thirty-four seconds. Crikey, they've got their money's worth for this one, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, they've certainly anything. got their money's worth in terms of predictions. Yeah, crikey. Yeah. I mean, it's not like anybody pays for this. <laughs> this is this is free labour, this is. This is. <laughs> Imagine if you tried to charge for this. This crikey. is free drivel. Yeah. <laughs> free drivel, absolutely. The, the inanity of it all is... Uh, is there isn't. There are no boundaries to it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you, you've now had forty-nine minutes, so I, I'm sure you, you feel really lucky today. Uh, but thank you for listening to us, and uh, we will be back a little bit later in the US Open or at the end of it. I don't know. Depends on what happens, doesn't it? And uh, we'll see what other predictions Catherine can come <laughs> up with because this one has been eventful. <laughs> Speak to you soon.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 